If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hi, I'm Lee Salisbury and welcome to Soap from the Box, the podcast where I interview actors I used to direct on some of the country's biggest continuing dramas. And if you had told the 12-year-old me that today's guest would not only be on the podcast, but also now be one of my best friends, I would never have believed you. Enjoy. So my next guest is possibly one of my biggest crushes I've ever had in my life, playing Mate Peace in 1985. I remember I used to go to my nan and granddad's and watch it with the nation on a Saturday night and dream of our wedding. And then in 2006, when I directed Emmerdale Karen, my best friend phoned me and said, you will never guess who's joining Emmerdale. And instantly I said, not Glynis Barber. And it was Glynis Barber. Hello, Glynis Ta-da! Barber. <laughs> Ta-da! But um, I had to share you with Floella Benjamin, didn't I? You did, yeah. Because sorry, the other crush, crush on her is Floella as well. Benjamin. And do you remember, once we did get to know each other, which we bonded at an awards, because Glynis's husband, Michael, was in Jerry Springer, and the real Jerry Springer was there. Do you remember? Yeah, And we ended yeah, up having quite a lot to right, drink, and that was the right. beginning of a yes, long Yes, I was friendship. following uh, Jerry Springer around, and you were following me. You were around. <laughs> Like, who is this man who keeps following me around? Which Jerry was actually thinking about me. I kept trying to say, my husband's playing you. We were a nightmare threesome that night. But then our long (laughs) friendship began, didn't it? And I remember you always were confused at first because you were like, why did you not want to marry Michael? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Which Glynis has never got over. It confuses me to this day. So we're here to talk about, half the show is about uh, soap. And you've had, obviously, a big appearance in EastEnders and Emmerdale, so we've got to whiz through both. And then we'll talk about you because you've done so much, it's unbelievable. So we'll start with EastEnders, where you played Glenda Mitchell right. in 2010, you joined. Um, yeah, I think I joined actually at the end of 2009 uh, when I stepped in uh, to Jill Gascoigne's shoes because they'd written a part for her that was sort of like nine or ten episodes that had been specifically written for, for her. her. And then I think for health reasons, at the very last minute, she had to pull out and there was no one else available. Oh, at, no, there was. At one minute's notice. <laughs> Don't you remember though, because I, I had in. just joined <laughs> and they ran around the office when Jill couldn't do it and said, "Who? we need a the national kind of treasure, someone who, and I was like, Glynis Barber. And do you remember you phoned me going, and you'd already had a call. You oh, yes, yeah, so we knew you were joining EastEnders. And yes. We were very excited. And the next minute I started you filming before I you did. I came and met you down in stage door. <laughs> yeah. And you were going for the audition and you started yeah. the next day. I started the next day, literally the and next day. And did you day. have about 16 scenes or something? Oh, yes. I mean, it was unbelievable. I had 40 pages of dialogue. 40 pages. 
and big dialogue because it was um and, and I mean I mean I would never have been cast in this part normally. I mean if they'd had you know if they'd thought who can we get for this part it would never have been well, me. It thing, honestly was I was the last man standing. The thing was wasn't it that it was but it was supposed to be Peggy's you know against Peggy. Well, yeah it yeah it, it was it was uh, it was Peggy so Barbara Winters Nemesis and um and contemporary. So um and did they change the script when you joined because obviously um, well n- 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 not much not much. <laughs> yeah no it was very bizarre because obviously you know the glorious uh, Jill who sadly recently passed away and um you know she's very london she's got very london accent you know she's a, a contemporary of uh, barbara windsor so no i really didn't fit the bill at all um and i think they just were a bit desperate so in i came and then i arrived on set and everybody sort of looked at me and looked at sam janice and rita and went do you know what it's a match made in this, heaven this is quite fun and i mean i was you know, I, I, I didn't, I mean, I was just like the whites of my eyes were rolling because I, I just got thrown in at the deep end. I went in um, to meet with them, to read. On the journey home, I was told I'd got it. And I was starting with 40 pages of dialogue <laughs> it's unbelievable, the that. next morning. And, and plus uh, it's EastEnders. It's not like a little show. It's a huge well, I know. show. And, and I probably shouldn't admit it, but I'd never watched it. I'd never watched it. I'd vaguely heard of the Mitchells. Um, I mean, I knew about it because everybody knows it's about it. It's one of those things you, you know, not know about Eastenders. And, you know, so. I knew the names of characters. I knew the Mitchells were a big fan. Well, family. I suppose at least that didn't throw you. But if, I, you I, had, I never, if you had been a fan, oh, or yeah, you no, that would have been. I think that would have been worse. So I just went home. I mean, I, you know, it's amazing how, you know, a crisis makes you focus. Yeah. So I had to go home and learn all this dialogue. So I just normally sort of, as well, obviously in soap, what they do is someone's cast. You'll have like time in costume. You have time in makeup, working out what they're going to wear. I mean, how did that happen? So because you did well, come in I, with a style. Uh, yeah, I don't even remember. <laughs> no, I can't even. I mean, I yes, I just remember I was sent in at the last minute to see the wardrobe lady, and we just stood there looking at each other. <laughs> she literally had terror. I mean, she's such a pro and she's done it all the time. But even she had all her experience. And it's not like, like you can pop terror. out in ballroom no, and no, get no, anything. No. She, I think she went and slept in a mall that night. And I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not actually joking. She just said, well, I'm going to the mall. And she just came back. She was there for hours. I don't think she went to bed that night. Oh and she just got a suitcase of clothes. And, and and not only that, but I had a see. I had all these scenes. I needed all these clothes, and I had to have a, open a suitcase full of clothes oh, as God. well. So, um, and I remember I was standing there with the wardrobe lady, and that she said, "Well, you know how?" And, oh, and they had um, yes, she had pulled out some clothes, and I knew nothing about the character, and I just went, "I'm so sorry, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't wear that because she had like old." Furs, oh, like yeah. vintage furs, which I suppose was just Jill Gascoigne. You can imagine that. And as a... and and I went, no, you know, in my youth that would have been really trendy and great, but now at my age that could be a really bad idea. So, um, so <laughs> they'd obviously had a whole thing in mind, and yeah, it just yeah. wasn't me. And that's I when just, she was like, me. "God, I'm going to have to go so, to the mall all night." And as we were standing looking, and she was very nice about it. She was really, really nice about it. But she, I think she knew because she was showing me these clothes and these old vintage. Knowing it me, wasn't right. And we were looking at each other going, ah, ah. And then as I was standing there, I just heard this voice, these voices going, 
mummy, mummy. <laughs> and then Reed and, and, and Sam. Sam and Reed and I'd worked with Sam before in a show called Babes in the Wood. So I did know her. I didn't know Rita, but um, I just, they came running down. You couldn't have asked for better, actually, because those two just embrace everyone, oh, don't I they? Oh, I know. They, so this is, it's, it's not so... hard to click with Rita and Sam. I, oh, I know. They, and that's what I mean, um, in retrospect, it's the perfect casting, because you did look. But that, so the character, it, was, she was described as complex, vulnerable, demure, dynamic, and a sort Demure? Demure. <laughs> I think that one was But a she mistake. was a complex character because she was kind of a bad cat. I mean, most of what she did was bad, but... Oh, she was a... You played it in a really... She was an outrageous Kind mate. of realistic way, in a way, which made it complicated, but in a brilliant way, because you weren't sure whether... Well, what she was about. Well, you know, when, when it... I mean, you know, those, those first few weeks where I came in and did those 10 episodes, you know, it, it, it had definitely been written for Jill, so... You know, I was called... Oh, I remember you phoning me saying you were called everything. I was called, like, the oldest thing. Oh, have you got your tenor? (laughs) You know, your tenor machine. I mean, there were all these lines. I was going, do I look that bad? (laughs) I mean, you can say that to me. Or or I had a pub scene and someone, oh, can't you see, dear? (laughs) (laughs) Something wrong with your eyesight? And I was going really anyway so you know I had to get over that I mean I mean I honestly in my time in East I've never been so insulted in my life I mean the, the things people said to me so you know there was that but I was you know I just hit the ground the running and I did it and that was all the meant the character was meant to be and then a few months later they br- they started bringing me in like for the odd episode and I thought well you know what's going on and I did that a bit and then I said to my agent well this you know they'd put me on hold for weeks at a time and then bring me in for one tiny little scene and then I thought oh they're going to bring me in and then you know for a a while which would be nice Um, but then they didn't they just kept sort of putting me on hold and bringing me in for tiny little scenes and I said to my agent I said I don't think this is working for me because I can't be on hold but I'm not really doing yeah, anything yeah, they're yeah. not giving me I think contract. that's a problem with a lot of people in, in so that they can't so I was ready to at that stage I was ready to walk away and then they came in and they gave me uh, I think a year's contract which I then did and that's all I stayed was a year yeah but I mean I did like 85 episodes and in that year they gave me you know huge, oh, you did loads huge of, I mean, big so storylines you... but it took a while to find me in the writing because yes. as I said especially those first few episodes it wasn't me and then because I was so different from what they had thought, I think it took them a while to Work find out who she was. Yeah, Glenda. And ironically, um, it was really towards the end that they they really found her. And um, well, because the whole process as a director is when you audition, you're almost wanting the person to come in with a sign of the character. So Jill had obviously done that. Yes, and yes. that's what they've written the way. Yeah, they've they written suddenly, around yeah. her persona. But you said big stories. I mean, you were so you were. I mean, you had some really hard stories. You were there. Mm for the aftermath of Roxy's attempted rape. It was revealed you knew about Ronnie's abuse. You were there when the girls obviously died after dying. Oh, well, then I went back. That was, yeah. that was years later. But as so in, you that have was, heavy yeah. storylines. Do you find when you work on it, because it is really intense, do you take those... I imagine it must be really hard if you constantly have those dark stories, you take them home. Well, it is. When I went, I went back, you know, I was there for a year, so I left, I think, in uh, 2011. Then in... I forget the years. Was it 2016? 2016, 17. I went back for a few months for, you know, that horrendous storyline where Ronnie and Roxy died, where I think I I literally cried in every single scene. So that was fun. And (laughs) um, I mean, I had to cry so much 
that I burst the blood vessels in both eyes. Did you? First the one eye went, and it was like bloodshot red because oh of my. the crying and the crying, and then the other eye went. Oh, my I was God. looking at these two, like, literally <laughs> red eyes. But then the fun you got to sleep with, Phil Mitchell... Oh, Ian, I cut a swathe through the, through the men of EastEnders. You did. Everybody who had a girlfriend or a wife, you I, were there, I, didn't I had to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it was sad. it's one of those stories that were like as if they, that it was sad that they went like that, wasn't it? The girls. It was. It was uh, really sad and 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 bonkers, really, because yeah. I mean, you know, here you have these two great characters, and then to get rid of them in one go. I mean, no one could believe it. No, no one could. I believe honestly it. don't know I what they're thinking. It takes so many there. years to shape a character, and those two had so shaped those characters, and both of them didn't want to go. So it's always weird, isn't no, it? No, no, they didn't. I mean, so... they were shocked. I was shocked. Listen, I, I was shocked when I went. You went, yeah, because um, I didn't know, and um, and the character had really come into her own. And um, they it, brought your son in as well, hadn't they, with you? Well, no, my, yeah. My, initially, my son came in with me, and then he sort of disappeared. Uh, he, he came back when I went back for their death, but yeah, then he sort of went he, as well. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. He he sort of disappeared. But yeah, because Glenda had read. I think they'd finally found her, and it all sort of culminated in this party on the square where I, she's a bit drunk and she goes round and insults. Oh, you insulted everyone. Didn't you? Where yeah. everybody in the room, but sort of at the same time telling the truth, and that was when they really found her, which was just says what she thinks, completely unfiltered. But it was, but I think she was funny. I thought she brought some humour yes, into yeah. the square. Which well, I, she was brash and she didn't care about. Well, she did care. And the thing is, there was a heart. She cared in her own way, so but she was. There. Yeah, there was a lot there. of tragedy. She did care, but she was untrustworthy. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, even her daughters couldn't trust her. Well, she you know, tried to steal it. I mean, tried... if there was any money, she'd yeah, take it. Yeah. It doesn't matter where it came from. <laughs> and she'd say anything she wants, but she did care in her own way. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, and you were nominated, weren't you, for Villain of the Year, in fact? I can't remember. Yeah, was you I? Were in 2011, <laughs> I've got the British Soap Awards. Um, so you obviously did something right. So that was EastEnders. Now, then, when we we met, obviously years before that on Emmerdale, as I was right. saying earlier, and that was playing Grace Barraclough, who Grace I think still, everyone remembers Grace. Do they? Yeah, because obviously you were part. So you came in in 2006. The world's worst policewoman. She was. I was going to introduce you. Literally, as that. the world's worst. <laughs> it was in front of her. So you came in. It was. <laughs> The huge Christmas storyline, which was at that time that they would really do these huge stories, and it was who killed Tom King, which was huge. Yeah, and, was and I just only really came in for that. I was ba- yeah. once again, I came in for a few. But you were in and- massively, weren't you? I mean, you were in a lot. I, yeah, and, and they'd said to me the remit I was given is, you know, would would Glynis come in just for a couple of months for this very big storyline, and you know, we want someone to come in and play a, a policewoman, and what we're looking for is a Helen Mirren prime suspect. Kind of, you know, she's really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I came in, and then when they decided to keep me a bit longer, so I was there like ten months in total. My policing skills went Good rapidly words. downhill, and I ended up having an affair with the killer. Didn't <laughs> seem to have any idea he was the killer, and um, yeah, no, no, I was an absolute joke. When you went in, did you have you always said because of Dempsey and Maypiece, have you always kind of had a thing of saying no to playing police again? Or was well, that I remember kind of mind? shortly after Dempsey and Maypiece, I was offered a, a policewoman role in in a or something and I did turn it down because I didn't want to go straight into yeah. that but other than that I haven't actually been offered a lot oh. of police women so yes it did occur to me I, I bet you all casting directors think we can't ask her to do that because she'll say no but I felt 
you know, a long enough time had passed that it, that it would be fine. So the story was that's so the story was yeah you came in you came in with Stephen Roman Hughes who was playing um, your kind of. Partner, he was my fellow policeman. Who was a better policeman, really, wasn't he? He was oh, kind of on you. He yes. started to see the, the, the bits falling apart. I mean, I place. should have had an affair with him. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, I was I thinking of. But you, you suspected, I mean, your main suspect was Bob Hope. What? Bob, who worked oh, at the cafe. Yes. Oh, I can't remember the details. Yes. I, mean, the I can't remember any details. Unassuming the suspect. <laughs> was he really? Yeah. <laughs> and then Matthew, obviously, who was a, like, the bad boy. Oh, yeah. And uh, then you said you started an affair with uh, Carl, Tom Lister. And I have to share this story with everyone that I told Glynis at the time that Tom, only to, because the <gasps> trick of television is when you do kissing scenes, you obviously just peck on the lips. You don't use any tongue and I told Glynis that Tom Lister was adamant that he had to use tongue and forgot to tell Glynis that this was actually made up and so Glynis when you did a scene with him actually said to him Tom I just have to say I don't use tongue and he, he was like he looked what? horrified and the other thing about that affair was is I was a lot older than Tom Lister I mean, I think he was literally He's in really his young. 20s. He looks much older, Yeah, actually, he looks yeah. a bit older, but he was, I think at the time, he was in like his late 20s, yeah. and I was about 50 or in my early 50s. And I went, well, I don't know about this. I mean, you know, that's quite a big age difference. And um, and they took you And they didn't mention it. I mean, in the story, they didn't mention it. And I thought, well, I, you know, I could be, I don't know how this is going to go down with the public, you know, and, I, and I'm the policewoman on his, you know, I think the murder really well, I think people really love those two together. But I, I, I remember calling the script department and saying, listen, can I just talk about this? I said, you know, there's a very big age gap here. And, you know, you don't mention the story. And she went, oh, is there? Because we, ha- we hadn't thought about it. And oh. I went, really? So that's quite funny. So you had that and then the parallel to EastEnders where you were getting... Oh, yeah. And then I arrive in EastEnders and they, they, hand, me my ten- they, they, they hand me a ten machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you, in the end, you got caught by Stephen who played Vikesh, was it? Was his name Vikesh? I think so. Don't know. Well, so I have... never remember any details. I only remember the broad strokes of life. When, when I read back all the notes, it is quite, you go, oh, yeah, you remember so much. Because actually your character did so much in that short timeline. But you actually then ended the relationship. But he came back and seduced you. Did he? He had, Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, I mean, you obviously didn't take much to juice. I think it was half a glass of wine. <laughs> Well, you know, my awesome policing skills and then made that as, possible. As Soap is, he had just admitted the murder when you walked out and got hit by a truck. <laughs> I know. And they we were obviously to... desperate to get rid of me. But I, you know, honestly, I think she should have, she had a very nice apartment that was quite high up. I think she should have just flung herself over the off. balcony. Well, do you remember, I mean, we always... Rather than make, being roadkill. We always laugh as well, and it was probably the, one of the worst stunts, wasn't it? A huge tanker <laughs> speeding down the street. I know, th- <laughs> did it have to be quite so big? And it cut to a shop you and you had a trickle of blood coming out of your <laughs> kind of out of your nose or something I know Just... I remember they, they I mean I, they sort of broke the news to me that I was going which I'd fully been expecting to go I honestly wasn't expecting to stay because I was a policewoman on this case and they said oh, we, we we love you but there's no the, way out well, there's the, this policewoman she just doesn't fit in the village <laughs> There's nowhere we can go with her. And I went, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And that police, we used to film. So Emmerdale used to have one studio and then the police office used to be in some random building, didn't it? Around yeah. the corner. Do you remember? It was yeah, always yeah. freezing yeah, cold yeah. in that police office. Yeah. And it used to have random pictures of the crew stuck up as murder. 
as a suspect. I know. So that was Emmerdale. But you know, there is another soap I was in. The Night and Day? Yeah. And what, what were you in that? Because I haven't got any notes on your Night Fiona and Day. Fiona Break. I was Fiona Break. And that was I, a few years, wasn't it? You were um, in and, and That was one year. Also, yeah. That was very unfortunate because that was a very exciting project. And it had a very David Lynch kind of quality. It wasn't your normal soap. It was a soap in that it was going to be shown sort of every day, but it was all shot single camera. Oh, wow. And, it, and, and the, <laughs> the, the, the plot lines, you know, it was... Uh, what was the, the, the big David Lynch show? Uh, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. So it, it had that sort of quality. Oh, and I it, never you know, watched, I should have watched that. Oh, you would have loved it. I can't imagine single camera in soap, And I was, a, I was a school teacher... <laughs> who'd had a boob job. So they gave me this big stuffed bra. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because my very handsome husband that I had, he was also a few years younger than me, by the way. He was a few years younger than me. and um, But he just didn't seem sexually interested in me. And I just couldn't work out why. So she did. You know, she just got a boob job. She, she got a boob job. She tried everything. And it turns out he was gay. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was that story. And then we so had a son. Job did nothing. Then. Did absolutely nothing for him. Um, but 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 I was a school teacher, but did a lot for the pupils because then I ended up having, having an affair with one. Oh my god! Oh my I ended god. up having an affair with the pupils. I'm going, oh, this is really bad because I mean he was about twenty two. <laughs> I, I mean he was playing eighteen. But, and oh. so did you leave that show or was that cancelled? Because I remember it being cancelled. Yes, it was. You, I think there was a lot of politics involved in that because I think it was commissioned by one team. Oh, and then another. That then left and another team came in, and. It was good. And I remember the being told that when the producer from our show went into, I, I don't know, they were voting on something with the other shows, that all the other producers from the other shows stood up and gave him a standing ovation. Oh, wow. Oh, but they were also scared because this was going to change soap. How soap? This was going to change soap. It, it, it was on a... It was on a different, different sort of level. and um, But when it came out... <clears throat> They killed it in the slots. They they started off by putting it on like really, really early before people were home from work. And then they put it on really, really late. And it was it, it was just killed in its slots. It was never given a chance. Well, and we always hear about so that unfortunately that is the nature of television, that new producers come in, and that's what happened with characters, isn't it? Yeah. A new producer comes in and says, yeah. Oh, I want to get rid of because I'll always remember icons like Pam St. Clement being killed off as Pat. Yeah. Who didn't want to go. But you'll have a producer who suddenly wants to make a mark or, you know, no offence yes. to the producers because they want to... Yeah, but yeah. But unfortunately, that is the nature. So, yeah, so that was that was intense. And, and we all went into it and we were told to prepare. This was meant to be huge. So that was sad. That's one of the things in my career I feel sad about because, you know, you, 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 do, you do certain things that you... That, you know, you love doing that. You love the cast. You love the script, and you think this this should be great. And then, for various reasons, it doesn't continue. It, 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 it doesn't. Well, like you said, if it was single camera, there's no way these days soaps could be made on and single great. camera. We had, you know, we had really so good. We had, you know, really interesting scripts. I mean, I have to say, by the time we got to the end of the year, they were getting madder and madder. They they got you know quite bonkers by the end, but they were eccentric. I mean, it, the whole series was quite eccentric. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. But, so, well, three, so three well, soaps. Well, I've dipped my feet in, in every, everything. In, in everything. The 
big thing was Dempsey and Makepeace. That's yeah. where you came to kind of like everyone's attention. It was three series, 30 episodes each series, made in 1985. And I was shocked it was not only 1985 to 1986. I we it was we a shot short the period. first year, 84, 85 and 86. 86. We, yeah, three we just did years. It. Yeah. It's almost one of those things that the legacy has lasted so long. And the idea was obviously the pairing of two police detectives, elegant British noblewoman, Sergeant Hamlet... Hamlet? No, no, Harriet. Harriet. Harriet, Harriet Macy's. And working class New Yorker. You can call me Hamlet if you yeah, like. Yeah, James Dempsey. And I've read that Michael actually checked because he apparently Dempsey was supposed to also be a kind of a posh guy. Yes, know. he was meant to be this Californian uh, millionaire James Dempsey Jr. or something, or the third or something like that. And um, he his agent had sort of sent him that script. He said, hey, I really like that script. He said, well, actually, that you know, that's not for you. I sent that and said, you're not right at all. He said, oh, no, right, no, no, no. Okay. I want to go for this. And then he was the last person they saw. They'd been to LA. They'd seen a bunch of people. Don't think they loved anyone they saw. And they were packing up to go to the airport. And he was the last one they saw. And he came and he said, you've got this entirely wrong. <laughs> as, as I know, Michael, as he worked. <laughs> and they went, what? Sorry. <laughs> and he went, you got this all wrong. You can't have Lady Harriet make peace upper class, you know, California, millionaire, rich, there's no conflict. That that just doesn't work. What you want is someone like me. (laughs) You want like this rough piece of dirt from New York, you know. And he said, then you'll have a show. That's amazing. And they bought it. They bought it. And they... um, Had you been cast first? um, No, they had met me. And I hadn't been cast. And and then I think they went, ah, I think we know he's going to suit you very well. Perfect. Yeah. Now, when you say that, obviously, there's the whole thing, because the the whole thing of the show really as well was about their on-off relationship well they won't and obviously it was replicated in real life because at first you hated each other didn't you oh yeah yeah because <laughs> you told me you used to actually fly on different planes uh yes i did at one stage and our very <laughs> first when we flew to the states um uh for publicity after the first show and we were flying by concord and uh I mean, we had had a major falling out. <laughs> Was it an instant thing that you were like, we don't like each other? Um, it, it, it grew quite grew. rapidly, <laughs> quite rapidly. Um, but yes, we'd had... Um, yes, he'd behaved appallingly at the end of the first series. And I was so off him. And I really, I didn't actually want to fly to America at all and even be in the, on the same continent as him. And in the end, I said, yes, but I can't possibly go on the same plane. That's amazing. So he got to, but he didn't know this. So he got to the airport to get on the Concorde. He's going, where's Glynis? You know, why is she not here? And he's like calling, hey, Glynis isn't here. And I said, yeah, about that. <laughs> She'll be getting on your later plane. That's brilliant. And so, uh, I mean, is it hard generally, If because this ha- must happen all the time, is it hard generally if you work with someone that you, you've not got a good relationship with, but on screen, you're kind of with them all the time? It must be a thing of um, actors. It must be hard when you're well, with yeah, someone. Well, yeah, it's intense. I mean, when you're filming, you know, be it EastEnders or this, you know, when you're, you know, filming is intense. You you know, uh, you, you're there you all together, day and night. Yeah. I mean, you're, just, you're, you're, you're spending more time doing that than you are living any other part of your life. And almost it's between takes, I always think, because it's the time that you're left as they're relighting. Yeah. And if you're with someone... <laughs> drives you up the wall. Yeah, yeah, I think it no, must be it really is. Because in normal life, you can step away, but acting, you can't step away. Yeah, so, so the, 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 you know, it was very up and down the first year because, you know, you're trying to get on and then you have moments when you get on and then they'll just do something and you go, oh, oh. that's unbelievable. 
and then you know so it was uh, very up and down yeah and so then obviously the, the things <clears throat> changed and you fell in love in real life and got well, not really not <laughs> We won't tell Michael that. Um, but I mean, it was, you were being, it was everywhere, wasn't it? At that time, the will they won't. It was like a Kylie and yeah. Jason. In, in, it was that what happened with them in when it was kind of in Neighbours, when they were, will they, won't they, and then in real Well, life. I mean, the first time, and then we started in the second series, we started dating. and um, But even our dating went up and down. But we did start dating. And, you know, and what we, won we kept you round it- to him in the end? Oh, well, you know, there was an attraction, there was an attraction, and then he calmed down and he, you know, he approached me in the right way. And I'd I'd had a boyfriend and I'd split up with him. So, you know, the circumstances were a bit different. But, um, you know, so we had a couple of dates and, you know, we began dating and, you know, keeping it very quiet, which was hard. And then we thought, right, okay, we're dating. And then uh, rather naively and genuinely naively, because we really didn't expect this, we were invited to a royal premiere of a film. I think Prince Charles and Di were there. And, you know, we honestly didn't think us arriving at this premiere would be such a big deal. Well, you know, we literally got stampeded. Really? Stampeded. They And the press actually ignored Prince Charles and oh Diana. I mean, it was, you know, for the one and only time. And I mean, I've just never seen it. I mean, I wasn't used to the press. Yes, I wasn't yeah. used to this kind of attention. And we must remember. And I literally was like a frightened animal. I mean, it, I can't tell you what it's like when you have. And just, I remember getting out of the car, and the paparazzi just went absolutely berserk. And then we went in, we watched the film, <laughs> and on? it had built. So by the time we came out, the whole of Fleet Street was there. Oh my and god! And they, they. They ran at us like a pack of wolves and we were sort of somebody, you know, they tried to help us sort of get into the car. But, you know, people, they were throwing themselves in the car. They were throwing themselves against the window. It was terrifying. And then we thought, oh, wow. And that, I mean, when people see all those pictures, that's what I mean. That's it's you've been you've been there in the height of something yourself. I mean, it's it is really scary, isn't it? It's not something Uh, when you think of these big stars that have followed Every day, you know, Britney Spears. I remember was followed at the height by about two hundred paps. I can't think of anything she worse. Went. I mean, I mean, it's you know, we're all different. You know, I have to say, being famous probably doesn't suit me. Yeah, <laughs> because um, I mean, I, you know, but I don't have anything like that attention now, so it's you know, it's not a problem. But I mean, at the height of it, I I didn't like it. You know, I'm quite a private person. And just being followed all the time and having people outside your house and jumping on you. I mean, to me, it was horrendous. But I look at fame now and I look at what... And and of course, it's so much worse now because of social Social media media. and everybody's everybody's got a camera on their phone. I, I actually, it's, it's horrendous. And I, and people say, oh, well, you know, if you've, if you've become an actor and you've become a you know, you're asking for it. And people have absolutely no, no sympathy. Idea. I mean, when I think of, but also the fact you is, know, Di, you know, Princess oh, well, Diana, yeah. what, what she went through, it's, you know, people think, oh, you know, you deserve it or you want it. Honestly, I honestly don't think and anybody wants that. what's the view, your that. view then? Because I think, no, I think that's the thing with acting and that's the thing is how, how, what is a success as an actor judged on? And it is un- unfortunately fame because we all know money-wise as an actor, you, a lot of people just want to act and don't want the fame, but then to really get paid well as an actor, kind of fame comes part and parcel of it, well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, well, it, it does in certain things, you know. I mean, obviously in films or, or television, I, I think it's, you know, obviously different in theatre. I mean, and you do have some actors who are absolutely superb actors. You aren't followed by the public yes, yeah. and, and have managed 
to to take a different trajectory. And I think you know that's. I think that's I nice think you thing. just have to not call. I mean, it is a bit. Some people are caught in, but most people now, I find. I mean, uh, you know, the, the the younger generation. I mean, if you if you ask younger actors now what they want, they seem to want fame. Yes, you know, everybody wants fame. And well, you again, know, you enter these. Good luck is all I can I know. say. You, enter you know, these be careful what you wish for. You enter these tenders and Eminem and stuff after a long career. I think it's really tough, actually, and there's no way around this because they need people, but. I think the you know if you're going to EastEnders at 16 as your first job, it's really scary. I think that and it like well, you it is. And can dangerous. never prepare for that. Yeah, it's dangerous because it changes yeah. your life in an instant if you've not been anywhere at one, doesn't it? Mm. And you do see, yeah, it's a weird, weird thing. So then also the thing I love about Dempsey Makepeace, I remember you telling me the stunts, how how the industries changed because I remember you said you did a stunt in a car that was being crushed. Yeah, that was one of Michael our first. Wa- I think it was the. I think it was actually the first. It wasn't the first one that was broadcast but it's the first episode we shot. And just explain the setup there. So um, we are in a car junkyard and we get in and we, we, we're we in a car, I think our own car, and, you know, the, the baddies are running the junkyard. So they pick our car up, which is a mini, in a crane. And for real, we were lifted <laughs> in the car about 20 feet into the air and put in a crusher. Oh, my God. And... I remember, you know, Michael could not believe it because you know know he'd come from LA. People, it was just you. Oh no, no, it was us. It was (laughs) us in there, and they literally began to crush the car, (laughs) and the the roof, you know, began to go down, and we were sort of ducking down and down, and they were crushing it more and more. And we sort of looked at each other. I mean, you, you could never do this now, never. No. But, and, and, and we, we said, well, this is the beginning of the series and we do have a contract and they do need us. <laughs> so I guess we will trust that they won't actually crush us to death. It's you still know. unbelievable that though, because now I mean you can't even do. I mean, a we did a lot. Trip we, down the stairs on your. We had uh, we had an amazing stunt team, absolutely incredible, and they were such a a big part of the show. Uh, I can't even tell you. I mean, there was you know not a scene that there wasn't a stunt in. We you know multiple per episode. But, you know, we did a lot ourselves of running around and jumping around, doing fight. The, the, the time you mostly get hurt is if you do a fight with another actor. Right, yeah. You do a, a fight with a stuntman, you're absolutely safe and fine. But it's when when people go out of the choreography, because yes. the fight has to be very clearly choreographed. Well, a slap, isn't it? For and I do remember an actor... Like slaps are so... It's camera angles and you don't really go near, but I mean, obviously well, sometimes... Well, like what happened uh, to me once, I had a scene where I had to run after this actor and pin him, you know, behind. I was behind him. And he, uh, he, he was facing away from me. I had his arms up on the fence and it wasn't even a stunt. I just had to hold him there. But the actor totally got into it and he started railing around and with great force, he flung his head back and I was right behind him and he nearly broke my nose. Oh I mean, my God. I saw stars. I mean, so he basically so he had, co- he had contact he had, with you. He had, oh God, he oh headbutted me at full force of his skull on my nose. And I remember just reeling back and, you know, blood was coming out of my nose. I was absolutely convinced my nose was broken. By some miracle, it wasn't. I hope they kept that take. <laughs> it's there. It'll be there somewhere. somewhere. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! Yeah. So you know, the, I remember that I was completely covered in bruises 
for the entire three years. And did you, when you were making a show like that, because I remember I couldn't find the viewing figures, but it was like the biggest show on Saturday night. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think... Did you I, think, at the, when you were first making it, did you think, God, this has got the potential to be massive? Do you know when you do a project whether you, you know, this well, is going to work? Well, we knew, you know, I, when we were filming it and it hadn't been shown, uh, no, I don't know what I thought, actually. I, I didn't even think about it, to be honest. But we knew before they started airing the first show that we had a hit for the simple reason that they, a few months before, they started airing trailers and ads. And the moment the ads came out, we were getting recognised, we were being stopped in the street. Like the ads, the trailers had this huge reaction. And then the moment, like from episode one, when it went out, it was just instantly massive with huge ratings and then when you go back to a series that's massive when you know something's big it must be so exciting when you go back to film another series and you're all going "Ah, this is amazing yeah yeah i can't really remember if i thought in those terms but yeah i mean it was exciting It, it was very exciting and and you know from that day to this i have never i mean at the time i did watch the episodes but i've never ever watched them since and um, and it's just being repeated. Isn't it's it, 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 it for the first time in years. I think they did repeat it maybe twenty years ago. I can't quite remember. And it's never been repeated since, which is kind of amazing. But anyway, it was on ITV Four recently, and now it's on Forces TV. And um, you know, Michael and I have a son who who's in his twenties, and he'd never seen it, and he had never had any interest in seeing it because I mean, somewhere we've got DVDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had zero interest. But when it came on television, he decided <laughs> it was time. And it was funny because I actually didn't really want to watch them. I don't know why. Oh, so you all sat down to watch but it. But he made us. So we have sat down as a family. We, we still haven't finished it. But we started. And I think there's been enough time I, I can watch it. But what's really interesting is all the interesting guest artists we had. I, I, you can't believe who, who's in it. The people you had. Um Julian Fellows. Oh, really? Julian Fellows as an actor. Well, I know because he, he was in Monica the Glen as an actor. Oh, was he? Yeah. When I did a behind the scenes of Monica the Glen years ago, he was the Lord next door. Oh, was yeah. he? I didn't realise. So what did Alex that. think of it when you watched it? Oh, he thought he thought. I think he got a, a kick out of it this time because he is our harshest critic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, <laughs> he, he, and he does not mince his words. Um, so yeah, I think he really enjoyed it. And I think now he gets a real kick. And because it, he just couldn't get over, you know, he just thought it was so 80s. And you know, and you are both so cool in it. I mean, Michael's so cool in it. <laughs> You're this young, stunning, aren't you? And it was, it was. Do you know I'm, what really, uh, uh, what's really getting to me watching it now is my voice. And I'm just so pop. <laughs> you know, were supposed I'm to be so, pop. I know, I know I was, but honestly, that voice and that accent is and doing my head And I think you had, like, the original Rachel haircut. Like, your haircut was renowned, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't no. a... Re- no, Rachel haircut was... No, I mean, it wasn't the same, but it was yeah. like your, your haircut yeah. was a well, star I, of its own. Well, I know, which is funny, because when you look at it, it was a complete mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just cut it. It was shorter at the back, longer on the sides. But I literally never brushed it. <laughs> but it you know, I just, you know, came out of the shower, went da-da-da-da-da, and there it was. 
and it looks like a haystack. <laughs> and people are going, why would you want that? <laughs> but people at the time were like, wow. I remember watching one on DVD years ago, actually, and I was like, right, I don't want to watch anymore because I just remember thinking, it's not how I remembered it, and I want to remember it how I remembered it. Because I just remember some of the camera, you know, like the old, how they filmed it when this, it, an episode starts with a big wide pan and a zoom in, to the slow zoom into the window. You know, kind of a really you weird know, way of filming. Do you filming. know what? I... Uh, the thing that has pleasantly surprised me watching it is the amount of diversity in it. Yes, true. Do you know? And and actually, that's you know, in guest stars, in 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 the you know, the representation of the police force we had, and a strong woman as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a, a strong woman being an equal in a show yes. that that was unusual, and and also the costumes because obviously the eighties was such a decade. It was you know of the shoulder pads and big, very done hair. So in a way, what I'm quite pleased about is that my hair was the opposite of done. Or, yeah. I mean, it may have been big in a haystack sort of way, but it was as undone as you can possibly get. But that's get. probably why it was. Partly why it was, it was so, so big, uh, because it, so it was so... It wasn't 80s. Yeah, it was so out of the usual. And also, I mean, look, some of my outfits are completely ridiculous, but that you won't find any big shoulder pads. And I, I remember, and I have to say, that was me. So, um, you know, I wore a lot of vintage. I so I have... so I, cool. And I wore a lot of quite masculine things. So I wore quite a lot of suits and ties. Yes, I remember the And suits. I wore a lot of bow ties, which uh, I have to say, looking back at it, I, I quite like that. So. And I remember the episode that now, again, you wouldn't... I remember everyone was smoking in the office, which always is so funny to see. <laughs> yeah. And I remember Mike... Didn't Michael come in on a horse in one episode? Oh, yes. Into the office. Yeah. But yeah. at the time, like you said, it's a bit twin peaks. It's quite surreal, that. No wonder it was <laughs> like people loved it. So, okay, so let's go back to the beginning. So you were born... Glynis van der Riet. Van der Riet, right, yes. In, in South, South Africa. Africa yeah. Durban. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so what is it like in South... Do you want to act when you were young? You know, is it something you grew up wanting to do I there? did. I don't really know why, because I... Yeah, from a, as long as I... From as young as I can remember, probably about the age of five, I wanted to... I think at that stage, I wanted to be in the movies, um, because I'd seen... You know, there wasn't much theatre. We had no... I grew up without any television. Oh, wow. So all there was was the cinema. And every Saturday I used to go to the cinema. So the cinema was everything. Absolutely loved it. And I think I saw Hayley Mills in some films. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, thought that was great. And I thought... Yeah, you know, I could get, I could live in a castle. I could do this. I could do that. I could adventure. I mean, I you know, I wasn't thinking of it realistically. It just sort of seemed quite appealing. Um but by the time, and, 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 and that never left me, so I always wanted to be an actress. But then sometime in my teens, I decided I wanted to be a stage actress. And this is from someone who had basically never seen never a play. Never seen a play, wow. I mean, I think by the time I arrived at drama school, I'd probably seen two plays in my entire life. And what, what, so when, what drama school did you go? When did you come to England? Uh, so when I came when I was 18, right, which was in the mid-70s. And um, and I went to Mountview. Oh, okay, which is one of the school. biggest. Well, it wasn't then. It really wasn't. Where's that Mountview? Uh, it, in... it was. It was in Crouch End. Right. Yes. I think it's yeah. in Haringey now. <laughs> and um, yeah, I you know I came over. I auditioned for a few places. I went to Rada, and they thought I was too young, and they wanted me to come back the next year. And I auditioned at Central, and got very close. Got down to the last few, and then I didn't get picked for that year. And I was absolutely gutted because that's where I really wanted to go. And then I had a friend from South Africa who was at Mountview. Oh, right, oh okay. come to Mountview. So I went there and oh, yeah, yeah, we'll have you. <laughs> we'll have you. So that was easy. But, um, you yeah, know, and it probably was not the best one at that time. Well, yeah, but no, but, it is. 
Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And that cemented in you, right, this is what I want to do. I mean, when did you first see your first theatre show then? It must have been incredible if you wanted to do that, actually seeing something on stage. In my mid-teens, my my mother suddenly became like a stage door Johnny or <laughs> stage door Jane. So she, her thing was, there was like one theatre in Johannesburg. As we'd, it, was, it was this big place, the Civic Theatre, and you'd have ballet, you'd have singers and the odd play. So she decided she liked going to shows and then waiting at the stage door <laughs> or see. trying to get backstage to say hello to the stars. Oh my God. And, and even at the time, and but she'd always take me. Oh no. And I remember being mortified. And we went to see a play, and for some reason, I think it was called 40 Carrots, and it starred Glynis Johns, who was in Mary Poppins. Oh. She was the mother. She's actually a fabulous actress. Is that who you wrote about? Yeah, yeah, she turned 97 the other day. And so we went to see her, and... Once again, I, my, my, my mother would go in like with the scenery. She'd go to the stage door and they'd either let her in or they wouldn't. And if they wouldn't, she'd go in where the scenery was. I mean, I don't know what she was doing. And we ended up, back, you know, suddenly these actors are walking down the hall and suddenly there's me and my mother. My mother goes, hi, I loved your play. And uh, yeah, she did that to Glynis Johns. In, fun. Walked on, I might have even been on the stage. Oh, my God. I, I, I was about 14 and I just wanted to die. <laughs> and then she said to Glynis Johns, I just, I wanted to introduce you to my daughter, whom I named after you. Oh. And I went, what? That is such a lie. And was, was it such a lie? An absolute <laughs> and complete and utter lie. And I remember that being one of the most embarrassing moments and of Glynis my Johns life. And going, how the hell did they get in? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you're obviously talking of stage, I mean, you've done so much theatre work. You've done Shakespeare, Macbeth. I didn't realise that High Flies with Hugh Grant. Yes. Where was that? That was at Bromley. Oh, right. It was meant to go into the Is West. Is that before Hugh was like, for weddings? It, it was, yeah. It was just, it was just a couple of years before then. I um, mean, he'd, he'd done a few movies. And he, he, I loved him. He was so funny. And it was, but it was great fun. Yes, I had to snog you. Oh, amazing. I know. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Dawn French has lived off of that when she snogged uh, him on Comic Relief. Don't you remember? No. Yeah, it's the story that everyone remembers. God, you snogged Hugh Grant. Yes. I well. love Hugh Grant. I think he's brilliant. Y- yeah, um, I did. He was, he was one of the funniest people I've ever met. A very dry sense of humour. And I just thought he was hilarious. I loved him. He's very yeah. honest. He's very honest. Like on yeah. Graham Norton, did you see when he was on Graham Norton, he actually... T- said about, they asked him about, Graham asked him about leading ladies and he was just so honest about Rennie Zellweger being totally mad and uh, writing him letters all the, yeah, they're brilliant. Did he mention me? No, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't mention your kiss. But he can't remember me. <laughs> um, the, now, one of the talking points of theatre, obviously, you did The Graduate, which was, yeah. you know, a massive thing and you were, were you the first person to do it where you didn't take all your clothes off? Well, it's just she... You know, I don't think she does take all her clothes off, but it, it, it she goes topless at one stage, which was a precedent was set in the West End. And the West End production then went on tour and, and that's the production I was in. And I, I didn't want to do it. And it wasn't really necessary and it wasn't in the script. No, no. I um, yeah, So I, I, that caused such a hoo-ha with the press. It yeah, was I know. Like, yeah. It was unbelievable. You know, you just never know when, you know, what's going to happen. But so. again, like you said, it was unnecessary. It had become almost one of those things that people were going just because someone was doing that. Do you know what I mean? I remember seeing Nicole Kidman in a play where she was totally naked in it. Yeah. And you're kind of thinking, we well, don't really have to. I mean, The Graduate's just more about the 
the affair. Well, I think in this, you know, listen, it's one thing. It's, it, it's something I never really wanted to do. But I'll tell you what, now, in this day and age, the way people are with their phones and social media, oh, God, and no. that once something is on the internet, it's there forever. Ever, yeah. I'll tell you something. This is not an era I would want to take my clothes <laughs> no, off No, in theatre, no. I mean, I'm really glad that I didn't, yeah. to be honest. And I always think it's a very... Because as an actor, you're supposed to, obviously, you're, it's not you you're playing, it's that character. Yeah. But I always think with things like that, you're still going to go, Well, oh my you know, God, in this my... internet age, where, you know, there's just so... You know, it's, and it's all very well as an actor, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on that and I'm going to be free day, yeah. and sort of do all that but I'll tell you there's there's a price unfortunately on, yeah. there's a huge price to be paid now and uh yeah and then you've done tv shows like so you did Blake Seven which was huge as well in that kind of Doctor Who type way yes, wasn't it yes yes um, that was one that of was, my first things I know yeah. you were known you kind of known for that that was well of... I was I was I was at the tail end of it because it started as Blake Seven and then Blake died or went off and um They did three series, I think, and they were going to cancel it. And the fans loved it so much that they also had, a, you know, they protested outside. So they sort of, the BBC rather begrudgingly did series four. And that's sort of when, oh, so when, that's when, when you I came, came in. in. So that was very early on in my career. And that must be quite hard. But it was fun. Like I mean, it, it was, it, it, no, that really was not It hard. was not. No, it, that, it, that was, it was the old days of the BBC. So we would go to the old BBC rehearsal building in Acton. So this... On a motorway, totally nondescript. Oh, God, really? And in every rehearsal room, one room is, oh, there's Doctor Who rehearsing. In that one is, um, you know, Blake Seven rehearsing. In the other one, Play For Today. And in the other one... Oh, I so love my, that, though. My early career was spent... I did so much for the BBC, and I did do a Play For Today, as it happens, and the history of Mr. Polly and all kinds of things for the, for the BBC, and all rehearsed and acting. And you'd, you'd rehearse... For Blake Seven, we rehearsed... Monday to Thursday. It was like being wow. in a schoolroom. So it's a big room with, you know, wooden floorboards. They do markings on the floor. Okay, there's your spaceship. Love. <laughs> so I'm just going to put a little chair there. And um, and then, you know, we'd start giggling. Now, one director said, now, Glynis, if you and Stephen and Gisette don't stop giggling... I'm going to separate you right now. Oh, I'm going to put you in different parts of the rocket. So exactly different parts of the rocket. <laughs> so honestly, it was like school. And we were so naughty. It was like, we had to, all right, we'll concentrate and say our lives. <laughs> so when you filmed that, did they do, was it green screen then? Uh, um, no, no. And then on the Friday, we would go to, you know, White City Studios. And then we'd be on a set. And then we would film what we'd been rehearsing all week. I mean, you never rehearse anything. But, you know, so that's what we did. But it was like being in this big school building. And then you get in the lift and there'd be Miriam Margulies. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing an episode of Doctor Who. Oh, well, I'm just doing an episode of this. Oh, well, I'm doing a play for today. And uh, and then you'd all meet in the canteen and have lunch. And there, you know, there would be the Doctor Who lot having lunch. Was that lunch television and- centre? No, no, no. This is the, the the building, the BBC building in Acton. Oh, you where, where you, but not where you filmed. Where did you film it? Yeah, uh, yeah, in, television centre. Yeah, television centre. Because I missed that. I love the old school TV when I used to work there. And I remember being in the studio that I got told was Forty Towers. I was like, oh my god, this is where Forty Towers was. But also, they used to reuse all the sets. So I don't know whether anyone knows this. So Miranda was actually the old Ab Fab set. And if you look oh, at the layout really? of the shop, you can tell yeah. the steps are in exactly the same place. Well, you and I first met at Television Centre at the Soap Awards. That was it. Was that was That was in the Television Centre. Which always, again, we haven't talked about this on the podcast, the Soap Awards, obviously, that probably everyone listening watches. And it is the craziest night. I mean, I've worked 
at the time on a couple of soaps. And it literally is bizarre because you're there with one soap and you've got everyone there. Yeah. I remember the first row I went, I asked, I came out the loo and I asked a guy in a black suit for another glass of champagne. He went, oh, sorry, I'm in Hollyoaks. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it was a 50-50 shot. Yeah. Wasn't it? But it was a mad, those are mad times that you go there. But I miss television centres because I think that old school TV oh, vibe I was do amazing. Too. I do. It I was great that you would have so Top of the Pops much. there and... Miranda filming there and that filming oh, it there. Oh, it was fantastic. And, you know, all the early years of my career were almost exclusively in that building. Really, until I went, um, you know, I mean, I went off and did other things, obviously, but most of it was there. And then until I went off in, you know, 1984 to ITV to do Dempsey and Maypiece. And how have things changed? I mean, that's changed, obviously, in TV. Rehearsals have changed because you don't get rehearsals and acting now. You just go oh, straight everything's on changed. Everything's and changed. And has theatre changed? I mean, obviously, theatre at the moment, which we've talked about well, loads in yeah. this, is awful. But has theatre changed? I mean, back in the... Because I know when you go on tour, you still have to find your own digs. Oh, don't yeah. You? Which I don't yeah, think so people would realise. Yeah, well, they except now there's... up in gorgeous yeah, places, no, really. no, yes, I know the whole, you know, you, you start if you are touring. And, I, you know, I haven't done a tremendous amount of touring um, because it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. But, yeah, you get your digs list. And, and was that the same in the old, day, like, years yeah, before? Yeah, you yeah, were, yeah. That's never changed. No, I that's kind always of like been the that. same. Well, but now, I mean, the last time I went on tour, I just did Airbnb. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much easier. Forget digs. And do you like that? Do you like, I mean, do you like, the, what What? What would you say you prefer, TV or theatre? I know it's hard to compare. Well, I mean, I, I, theatre's hard, but I do love it because normally, uh, I mean, not, not normally, usually, you, you, you know, you have a better chance of having really quite a good script and, you know, proper dialogue. So that's nice. And obviously it's the actor's medium because you're, you're there. You're, yeah. you're editing, directing and producing as you're doing your performance on the stage at any given moment. But it is hard. I mean, it is hard work doing, you know, it's like being an ath- athlete doing eight shows the a week. Thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and touring and being away from home, I mean, as well as that. Down. I mean, it's, I, I don't know if people realise just, you know, it's, Absolutely. Oh, I don't think anyone realizes really what. No, yeah, it's what goes it, on. it's hard work. Because theatre as well changes your whole life, you know, your day to day life because you're working when everyone else well, isn't exactly. working. Well, exactly. Even when you're if you're in London or in the West End, and you you know you still are barely ever at home. You know, you've got two matinee days, so you're out all day. You're out every single night. You leave early because you don't want to get there late. You get home late. And you have one day off. And but it's... it must be, because I came to see you in Beautiful, which was the Carol King musical, where you yeah. played the mum, which was incredible, and you were incredible. But it, I always think it must be amazing walking into the West End and seeing the big picture of you outside. I mean, you must never get over uh, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it must be like this <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like I've done dream, that much. But, I, but dream, I did, yeah, it? in the last five years, I've done a few in London. And uh, yeah, there's, it's something there is. There, there is a thrill, you know, um, walking over the bridge to your theatre and, um, you know, coming out of the station over the bridge and then going into the West End and you're working there. Yeah, yeah. And nothing's there is changed with the theatres, has it? They're so gruff. They're literally, it is like I know, 1940 back, backstage. I, you, I know. You just can't believe what backstages are like. And, uh, I, I mean, when I was in um, The Best Man and I was sharing a, a dressing room with uh, Maureen Lipman and... Um, oh, that was incredible. I can't see that. Uh, that was brilliant. Honeysuckle Weeks. Yes. And, you know, that was just a a few couple of years ago and uh, you know the three of us were in one room there was it was not a pretty room there were no windows and there was this giant pillar in the middle <laughs> of the room so there was also no space because it was like navigating around this giant pillar and um and I remember taking a photo I think I put it on Twitter or something it was like between matter you know between shows 
And there's Maureen Lippman, icon, on the floor, on the floor with her, her jumper as a, as a pillow and honeysuckle laying on the floor. And, you know, in this windowless room, everybody crowding around the pillar, trying to find a space to get some rest. I went, yeah, the glamour of the glamour. And the that's glamour what you're a star of it is the yeah. I always feel sorry for the chorus line. You know, we're like in a room of 40 of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, listen, it's been amazing. We could go on for hours, me and Glynis, which we normally do. Uh, it's been amazing to talk to you. I mean, there's so much else we could talk about. But I do have to fi- fi- finish with the story, right, which we repeat, and everyone needs to know this, when Glynis was doing the Royal in Leeds. And what I love about Glynis She's so unassuming. And I went to pick her up in my car. <laughs> we have to tell this story. <laughs> she knew what my car was. At. It was one of the funniest stories ever. So I went to pick up Glynis at a flat. Glynis comes out. I'm waving at her. She's on the phone. And all I saw was her suddenly get into the car next to me, which had a man at the steering wheel. <laughs> Seeing this man's face look round going, oh my God, it's Glynis Barber. And then we just that died. Was, that was funny because I he wasn't even next to you. He was, he was about, so different, he, totally he was about 25 car. feet from your car. And, <laughs> and yeah, you were on the phone to your accountant. I, I, I to my bank not... manager. And um, I got in and I just looked at this man and he looked at me and he went... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, at this point, I'm on the floor in my car laughing. And I went, oh, you're not late. <laughs> so I got out of the car and I said to my back manager, I said, I've just got into a car, the wrong car with a strange man. And my back manager lost it. He was laughing so much. And then I came to you, you were laughing. I was trying to get in your car and I couldn't get my bank manager off the phone <laughs> because he, he had lost it completely. He was absolutely hysterical. I think we were there for about and 20 in, minutes. In the end, I, had to, I said to him, look, I'm going to hang up on you now. <laughs> So I had to hang up because he couldn't stop laughing. And our life is full of these dramas, basically, everyone. <laughs> Finally, you need to have your little soap from the box. Oh. Um, and the final question I'm giving to everyone is, and it's quite hard because I know you were in it, like, who in either EastEnders or Emmerdale, character-wise, would need a good wash of their <gasps> sins? Oh, of their sins. sins. Oh, yeah. Right. Not okay. the actors, because I always say we're getting far too much trouble and revealing if we say who we think. But an act, a better character... It could be for me. So, I mean, to be honest, you're probably yourself, your own Well, character. I was thinking that. But in both sides. <laughs> <I soaps>. was... <laughs> oh, well, no. No, Grace wasn't bad. She was just in stupid. Love. Yeah. yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, possibly Glenda. Yeah, possibly, I think we should I, I think we should remember Glenda by get, uh, donating, by kind All of right. remembering her with that. It smells nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, lovely to speak to you. You too. Thanks. Thank you so much, Glynis, for being on my podcast. And a massive hello to Michael and Alex, Glynis's family, who are more than used to me and her sat with a bottle of wine in the garden, cackling and gossiping. Next week, another guest, and I'll be putting clues at Soap from the Box on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the new YouTube channel, where you can also listen back to all the previous episodes. Thanks to David Stevens and the Bothy, as usual, for their edit and technical wizardry. Hope you have a really nice week. Stay safe and see you soon.